For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. And a good football morning, you Birds fans. Birds 365 in flight again. A Wednesday edition. You got your Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen. Jay Mac, how are you this fine morning? I'm doing well, Jody. I'm just in awe. That was a that was a good opening. In flight, I like it. There's a professional, Jody McDonald. <laughs> I make it up Love with it. the best of them. All right, uh, countdown is on. Today's show 63 of Birds 365, and we've got less than three weeks to the opening of training camp. And I want to start today by uh, referencing the column that I saw on phillyvoice.com yesterday by John McMullen. It was something that we had uh, discussed a little bit previously on the show, but I want to go even more in-depth. The announcement came down for Hard Knocks on HBO this year, and it will once again be the Dallas Cowboys. They have been on the show more often than any other team. No one should be surprised by that because Jerry Jones knows how to promote and promote and promote and promote so far, uh, and more so than anyone else in the National Football League. And the the Benta article was about did the Eagles miss out on an opportunity here? They were not uh, obligated to do it. They had a pass because they've got a new coaching staff this year. And uh, like or dislike Nick Sirianni, I think he's a guy with a lot of personality who would have made a fun leader of a Birds 365-driven hard knocks uh, for this upcoming season. But the Eagles not only decided to take advantage of that they had an out for this year's uh, hard knocks, they have never done a hard knocks in the existence of the show. This is their 16th season since they got underway. How much of an opportunity was missed here? Um, I know you said in the article you couldn't find out if opting in was an option that you could uh, suggest. Yeah, we'll do it. You could volunteer to do it. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't even get an answer on that. I did want, read one article that speculated that the Jacksonville Jaguars might be a team that would do the same thing with their new head coach yeah. and their new quarterback. They could grab some pretty good attention. How much of an opportunity did the Eagles miss out on here? Well, none from their perspective because they didn't even know there was an opportunity, which is kind of what I said. And, and by the way, that was the most interesting thing because when you brought it up last week, Jody, that's when I kind of dove into it. And I said, yeah, that is interesting. Uh, and I contacted the league. I contacted a number of people at the league, and I said, Hey, can you still opt into this thing or is it? And nobody knows. Nobody knows, Jody. So it's become this sort of inertia. Like if you're not eligible by the legislation, which, as you mentioned, is rookie head coach uh, or first year head coach, uh, you're out. Uh, If you've made the playoffs one of the past two seasons, you're out. Uh, if, If you haven't been on the show in 10 years, uh, you don't have to go – if you have been on the show in the past 10 years, you don't have to go on again. So those are the three major sort of things they put in there. Because back in 2013, that's where it started. Nobody wanted to do the show, Jody, and they had to put these things in there. But they said, we're going to force you if nobody volunteers. So that's where I got 
Well, can somebody volunteer now? Can somebody say, hey, Nick Sirianni came across poorly in, in, in his Zoom introductory presser, which is meaningless. I'll be the first to admit it doesn't matter. But he did come across poorly. That's the perception. Uh, the perception is that in, in around nationally, more than locally, uh, that Jalen Hurts is sort of a placeholder. We've talked about the the early mock drafts, Jody, and everybody's got the Eagles picking in the top 10. Everybody's got the Eagles picking a quarterback, which tells you two things. One, they're going to stink, and two, they're going to need a quarterback because they stunk. So my point is you could have gotten on this show. People could have seen Nick Sirianni in a comfortable environment, which I've seen him, albeit limited, but much more comfortable he doesn't look like a disaster and waiting. He looks like he understands what he's doing. And then you have Jalen Hurts who comes across great to his teammates, and we talked all about that. I think it would have been great for, for this team in the short term. Hey, this has been a marquee team. This is what I wrote in the column, Jody. This has been a marquee team for years. They have two primetime games. One is legislated. Everybody's got to be on Thursday night football. And who do they get on Thursday night football? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady and company. The other primetime game for the Philadelphia Eagles, only two Dallas Cowboys, Monday night. Who who are the marquee teams there? Who's carrying the Eagles? The Eagles aren't carrying Tom Brady. They're not carrying the Dallas Cowboys. This is no longer a marquee team. This was an opportunity, if it was available, which I can't even confirm, for this team to get back on the right track, back to being the marquee team that's going to be on prime time five or six times or whatever. Now, ultimately, as I also said, look, if you win, everything will take care of itself. But I just find it interesting. This is the part that bothers me, Jody, and the only part. This team craves that innovative tag. They want to be known as the innovative team. They want to be known as ahead of everybody else. And more often than not, they're just like everybody else. Only Jerry Jones runs towards hard knocks to brand. Everybody else is, we can't go on that show. We can't have the boom mics. We talked to Randy Mueller about it yesterday. Oh, the competitive advantage. Come on. think If you want to be innovative, think innovative. And the reason why, uh, again, and you couldn't get a definitive answer one way or the other. So there, there's the possibility you could opt in if you so choose. Uh, we don't know if that's the case. We don't know if it's not the case. So you can. Nobody take- wants to. So nobody knows. Nobody, here, literally here, nobody wants to. Here's the reason why it bothers me in the Eagles case and with anyone else who chose to just go along with the uh, criteria they put in place. You have final say in editing. Yep. And I know that was not the case early on. Because I remember, it might have been the very second year. might have been the first year, as a matter of fact. Were the Ravens the first one? They were either the first or second. And Tony Ravens Saragusa. were the first. Cowboys were the second. Cowboys were year four. Cowboys were on two of the first four years. Right. And it became pretty clear, like, nobody wanted to do this show. And then a little bit later, they said, if we're going to save the show, we need more variety. And that's when they put the rules into place. They did. And one of the rules that wasn't in place uh, when HBO first started this was 
that you had editorial control. When I say you, I mean the NFL team. That if something was said that was recorded, that you said, no, 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 we can't air that. That would give us a competitive disadvantage. You can't use that stuff. You have someone who's in the editing process with HBO, and you can say, yeah, no, we can't air that. I'm sorry. Hey, no matter how good you think it is, uh, we're not allowing you to do that. It's got to be a cooperative venture between HBO and the team. But it sounds like they give you the last say. You can tell what's on the cutting room floor. So if there is something there that you think that if someone else got their hands on would actually hurt you in an upcoming game during the season, you could say, take that out. So where's the downside? You're right. It's there about is, showcasing is, your team. Yeah. If you believe you're ahead of the curve and you're innovative, you've got a chance to show that on, on yeah. this show. So the Eagles and or anybody else, if nobody wants to do it, I can't understand why. If anything, you can use it as a vehicle to promote your team. And I think the Eagles should have done that this year. And once again, Jerry Jones has beat them to the punch. And Jeff Lurie's the guy who's going to ultimately make that call. Nick Sirianni can have an opinion. He can yeah. voice it to Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie. Even Howie Roseman could have an opinion. He could voice it to Jeff Lurie. The guy who's going to say the yay or the nay on the hard knocks appearance is going to be Jeff Lurie. Aren't the Cowboys the most highly valued team in the National Football League? In the world. And forget about the NFL. In the world. So you talk about the Real Madrids and Barcelona FC and all the European super teams uh, in, in, in soccer, what we call soccer. Um, they're everybody. New York Yankees, they're ahead of them. Um, it doesn't matter uh, who you're talking about. Forget about their peers. The Dallas Cowboys are the most valued professional sports team in the world, not just the NFL. Yeah, they haven't won a Super Bowl. That's what people will bring up. You, yes. you can talk about you can talk about the on-field uh, efforts and efficacy, and it hasn't been where it should have been since Jerry had a few too many gin and tonics with Jimmy Johnson. They had their divorce. That's all fair. What's also fair is to say, you know, from a business standpoint, this guy's the most powerful owner in the league. He has been for a very long time. I think people don't realize that. Uh, and that's helpful, by the way. Uh, that's helpful. And when you talk about things coming up in, in over the years, a lot of the business decisions have been steered by Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft as the two most powerful owners. You know, if you want to be innovative, Jeffrey, forget about assistant wide receiver coach. Go, go do something with the NFL and become as powerful as Jerry Jones and, and Robert Kraft. That will help the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. But uh, as you pointed out, and I'll further uh, hammer the point home, if Robert Kraft is one of the most influential owners and the New England Patriots are one of the most valuable franchise, that's well understood. All they do is win Super Bowls. Now, they might have a tougher time doing it without that Brady guy. But up until this point, the last couple of decades, they have absolutely ruled the National Football League on the most important field. That's the field of play. The Cowboys haven't won, let me choose the right word, diddly in two decades. Yet the uh, valuation of the franchise keeps going up and up and up and up. Wonder why? Because Jimmy, because Jerry Jones is as good a marketer as there is in all of sports, any sports, not just the NFL, any sport. 
And that's why the evaluation of his franchise, the value keeps going up. Why couldn't Jerry, why couldn't Jeffrey Laurie take a page out of Jerry Jones's book? Does he really believe they're well, going to give away trade yes. secrets on hard knock? Yes, yes. And by the way, and that's my problem. Because you asked, and again, I'll go back to this. Did the Eagles miss an opportunity? No. In their minds, there wasn't even an opportunity. They were eliminated from the pool. They're not going to make the extra call. They're not going to volunteer. They're going to say, we're not up for this. So we don't have to make that decision. So from their standpoint, there was no lost opportunity. And I get that. From my standpoint, it is you have to understand where you are as a franchise, uh, that you are so lightly regarded from a national perspective because of what has gone on. And this was an opportunity to change that right away and say, we're not a disaster. We're not a dysfunction. Look, we're on HBO. You can see us every day. It's not the way they think. They think like everybody else. And to me, and again, I bring up Randy from yesterday, Randy Mueller, everything's CIA-like, everything's NSA-like, uh, everything's competitive, but we can't show this. I'll give you a story, Jody. Last year, Jason Peters was set to come back from one of his injuries. I think it was a knee injury. He was going to go back at left tackle. Everybody knew it. Everybody around the league knew it. Uh, in practice, they, under Doug Peterson, they would have something called Wednesday installs. And every time they would install a couple gimmick plays that might be used for the next game. We weren't allowed to report on that. We were clearly told you can't report on what you're seeing here. There was a jet sweep to Adrian Killens that ended up losing 13 yards when they ran it. But anyway, it was understood. Now, somebody made a mistake and said Jason Peters was lining up at left tackle in install with, uh, with the first team. Everybody knew it anyway. But the Eagles are like, oh, you can't do that, and they shut us out of install for the rest of the season. That's how secretive and CIA-like and NSA-like that this – not only the Eagles, every team in this league is. And it's absurd. Everybody in the NFL knew Jason Peters was going to play left tackle before it was reported. And by the way, nobody cared because he wasn't playing well. Right. The opposition. What are you doing? What is this nonsense? And that's where it all comes down to. And that's where I think when I talk about groupthink and the Eagles and they want to have this innovative tag, well, then think differently than everybody else if you want to be innovative. Don't get in the corner with everybody else and say, get those damn boom mics away from us. What week was this that they shut you out of install Wednesday? Do you remember? I don't remember offhand. It was the week Jason Peters was released. Probably week 10, 11, somewhere in that range. Okay. Was, so they, after, they were having a bad season. That was part of it as well. After the, the second half of the season, but still with uh, some significant games left. You're right. They're paranoid, and they're not alone in that. I don't want to put that on Jeff Laurie's plate that, oh, my God, the Eagles are the only team that thinks everyone no, everybody in the world. is, but that's right. the point, Jody. It's they're across just the, like everybody else. It's across the board in the National Football League, but it doesn't mean that you can't take advantage when an opportunity presents itself. Uh, I know you said you couldn't get it confirmed, but at least my reading of the situation is when they went to these uh, disqualifications – in 2013, it was because 
Rodney Goodell was having issues. He was going to teams and saying, do you want to be on our dock? And it was just no, 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 across the board. So he had to come up with ways for you to be able to say no. And if there was a group that weren't in that uh, group of disqualification, oh, then he's going to bring the hammer down. And he's going to force you to do HBO. And yeah, this year they had five teams that weren't quote unquote disqualified from doing hard knocks. The Eagles were not among them because they had a new coach and because they were in the playoffs within the last two years. But to me, that doesn't take out the fact that anyone who wants can volunteer to do this. And the Eagles, and I'm sure a whole bunch of other teams uh, opted out and said, no, I'm not volunteering. I'm just saying, I think they should have done it this year because they are a team in transition. Uh, didn't the owner say that, as a matter of fact? Didn't he yeah. use the word yeah. transition on the day that he hired Doug Peterson? Well, that could make for a good story, a good narrative, a good broadcast. And oh, by the way, maybe you could find some new fans out there. The last time I remember the Eagles playing the underdog card was after they beat the uh, Atlanta Falcons on their field in the first round of the 2017 playoffs. The next week, they did what they did to the Minnesota Vikings. And two weeks later, they did what they did to the Dallas, to the uh, New England Patriots. And they got to wear their dog masks proudly. Well, coming into this season, whether they want to admit it or not, and I think calling yourself a transition team kind of admits it, they're an underdog. And they could play the underdog role. And Nick Sirianni could use that in meetings with his players to try and pump them up and motivate them. Well, what better way to do it than on a national stage? As John uh, McMullen just pointed out, they're not getting a national stage this year. They got all of two primetime games. So why not take advantage of a national stage, hop on HBO, be the hard knock squad of 2021? Yes, I will continue to beat the drum that the Eagles missed out on an opportunity. And just the fact that it's the Cowboys who are doing it again mm. uh, just makes it that much well, more remember, difficult. Remember, I will say the Cowboys were eligible, but they don't want the Cowboys because they want somebody else. They want different. Fresh blood, uh, yeah. Yeah, they want fresh blood. So I, I would say, Jody, that show will be canceled before any NFL team other than the Dallas Cowboys volunteers for it. I will say that. Nobody's volunteering. Nobody is stepping up and picking up the phone and saying, hey, Roger, don't worry about the rules. We're going to do this for you. Nobody's doing it. Nobody. Nobody's doing it. And you're right this year. You talk about the underdogs. The underdog thing, the underdog mass thing, and I've said this forever, is a bunch of bull you-know-what, Jody. Because what are you talking about? There was only one reason. The Eagles would have been favored against Atlanta, Minnesota, Maybe not New England if Carson Wentz didn't get hurt. They were a really good team who happened to lose their quarterback and became an underdog because of that. They are underdogs now because everybody thinks they stink. There is a big difference between those two things. They would have been favored against everybody with the except potential, except, and they might have been favored, to tell you the truth, against New England if Carson Wentz continued to play well. They probably would have been favored. That underdog crap was crap and during that run. They were a really good football team. The underdog stuff now, they're underdogs. They're underdogs because people think they stink. Well, it's if it comes down to what people think, the, the most important people in labeling an underdog 
are all the wagering outlets. But you and they were actually no, underdogs on, in those yes. games. Literally, but you can read, you know, correct. Am I correct or incorrect? You tell me. If Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt, are they favored over the Atlanta Falcons? Probably, yes. Probably? Probably. Yeah. At Lincoln Financial Field? Probably? Ooh. Well, here's the one thing we don't know. Could Was Carson in those last... Uh, four regular season games could have played. Could have been worse than Nick Foles. Nick, but people forget Nick Foles was awful. Yeah, Nick really wasn't the regular season. He really wasn't all that good until the playoffs actually started. You were correct uh, about that. He wasn't not good. He was awful, and everybody was panic stricken. That's the reason they were underdogs. Same thing with Minnesota. Minnesota had a good team, but if Carson went. Is healthy. The games at Lincoln Financial Field, their favorite. Come on, Jody, you've been around for a I, long time. I, you I know get that. Favorite. I get that, John. But uh, in the locker room, when you're making those speeches, and you can hear well, it on the hey, radio, on television, read it everywhere. You're an underdog. You're an John underdog. Peterson. You're an underdog. That's the reality of it. They were underdogs, and no one will ever know how much mentally it lifted them, how much they leaned on that, how much motivation they got from it. That, that, that part, just the way it shook out. I get Doug Peterson all the credit in the world for using that and manipulating people and using that to get people. They believed it. I'm just telling you, it was crap. And he knew it was crap, too. Doug knew it was crap. And he used it. And God bless him. He did a great job with it. Yeah, and I, I would have liked to see the Eagles use it coming out of the gate this year, but it's not going to be used on hard knocks. All right, we'll continue the Birds conversation because we've got a uh, outstanding Birds reporter. He's been doing it for years for KYW and WIP. Ed Bengen joins us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. With my partner John McMullen, we're going to go Eagles in depth the next show. Stick around with us, uh, John. I'm glad to say that we are not the place that people come to retire. After guys uh, <laughs> get a new location, a new working outlet, they jump aboard with us. Let's see who we had of late. Oh, uh, uh, Paul Domowitz yeah, came on. Les yeah, Bowen Les. came on. And now a guy who's been covering the uh, birds for KYW and WIP for years, and he's going to find a new spot to cover him for this upcoming season. Ed Banker joins us here on Birds 365. Eddie, how are you? Good, gentlemen. I, I feel pretty flattered hearing the guys who retired and stepped in before me, so I, I feel pretty optimistic now. It looks like i got a pretty good, uh, pretty good lead to go forward with. Yeah, it's good to see you. Uh, it is disappointing, though, because I see so many guys, and that's the reality of our industry with – uh, last time, Nick Biero as well, who comes on the show uh, from the Allentown Morning Call. Uh, you've had a long run here in Philadelphia. Everybody knows I'm Ed Banking. I've got to get you to do that on the show at the end here. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's been for you. It's been Sixers, Flyers, Phillies, Eagles. Uh, so you've seen it all in this town over the past two decades. Kind of tell us the difference between the passion of the Eagles fans versus you know, everybody else, because Philadelphia fans are passionate, but let's be honest, the Eagles are far and above everything else in this town. Right. And I think there's that passion across the board, but because of the intensity of the Eagles fans and what the NFL means, not just to Philadelphia, but to the country, it's a little more intense here. Not to mention the fact that when someone like the Dallas Cowboys come to town, it's more intense maybe than any other rivalry with any sports team in the city. It's great to be able to, when you're covering the team, get a sense of that. You realize the importance of what it means to everybody and that passion. And we all kind of wondered after the Super Bowl, well, maybe will things change a little bit? Will people be satisfied that they got their one? Well, it doesn't seem that way, judging by the passion, what we're hearing with everybody, and that's good. And that's one of the things that makes this job so much fun is you realize just how much people care about this team. Eddie, I'm glad you say it makes this job this much fun because I'm going to ask you to kind of um, paint that picture for us for our Birds 365 fans. Your job is to get as much useful information out there, add a little opinion where you can, about the teams that you cover. And as John mentioned, you covered all of them here in Philadelphia over the last couple of years. Give me a comparison between the Eagles and everybody else in the way they allowed you to do your job the way you thought best served your audience to be able to get that information, to be able to let people know it's actually happening on and or off the field with the organization. How did covering the Eagles compare to covering the other teams 
in how they allowed you to do your job, how they let you uh, get what you needed to get done to serve your listeners? Well, first of all, and this is without any disrespect to the, any of the other sports or teams, the NFL allows more media than a lot of the other teams do because there's such a demand. And, John, you and I know being in that locker room so much, there's more people in the locker room at an Eagles practice during the week than at a Flyers game or a Sixers game during the week. So there is that demand. The people have the appetite for the NFL in general 24-7. That's why we have all these shows during the week, and that's why there's an NFL network. Jody's right at 365. Thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. Jody's quite – yeah, you guys are quite familiar with that as well. It's a 24-7 passion, even in the offseason. People are talking about the draft. People are talking about training camp even before you get there, and that's what makes it, I think, a little more unique. So because of that, there's a lot more coverage allowed. And we're in the locker rooms, and I, and I think John can attest to this too. We've been very fortunate. A lot of these players we've covered the last several years, and I tell this to my class at Rowan, my sports broadcasting class, it's a business. It's business. You go into your office. You talk to people in your office. We were able to build a lot of strong business relationships with the Brandon Grahams and the Jason Kelsey. So the combination of the appetite for media for the NFL, the way the Eagles allow us to get into locker rooms and do our job and their PR staff and the players and building those relationships really made that a little more unique and allowed me to get a lot of that information because you may build some of those relationships and find out some things that maybe you wouldn't have found out if you didn't have time to work with some of the other teams. Yeah, and that was what was so disappointing about last season. Obviously, everything turned into the Zoom virtual world. What we're doing right now, essentially, uh, and we'll see. Things are going to shift. We're going to have on-field access at training camp, at least, and they're still haggling over what's going to happen during the regular season. But um, So things are getting slightly back to normal. It's it kind of difficult question because we're all apart. We've all have been apart for so long, but you've gotten back into it with other teams at least uh, a little bit. Do you sense there's not as much juice this time around? I mean, it, it's a it's a team coming off a bad season, number one. And then you shift away from Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, so you have a lot of uncertainty. Do you sense a little less juice this time around? A little bit only because of the fact that even though people could see the warning signs last year, when you go back to the Super Bowl year, there was a sense the year after, hey, from the fans, let's try to repeat the year after that. Let's at least get the division title, get to the playoffs. So it was a step down year after year, but there was always a sense, hey, this team could still be playing football in January, even before the start of last year, as bad as the division was. And I think everyone understands it. it's an evil word for the Eagles, rebuilding, retooling, however you want to phrase it, that this team is obviously, you can at least say in transition right now, new coach, new starting quarterback, who started at the end of last year, obviously, and a lot of changes. And the process, I think, of starting to move out some of those veterans has happened over the last couple of years, and you'll see a more intense movement of that in the next couple of years with some of those Super Bowl core guys. So I think the combination of that and everybody in general still recovering from this awful pandemic maybe kind of changes the dynamic a little bit going in. All right. Uh, we are in the downtime of the National Football League calendar, finished up all offseason workouts, waiting the couple more weeks before camp kicks in. So the only thing that we have to discuss is our prognostications, what we think is going to happen based on what happened last year, based on what you think is going to be uh, stepping up or stepping back. I need to ask you about one particular Eagle player, Ed. I've been really surprised by those who are generating opinions during this downtime on what 
others outside of Philadelphia think of Miles Sanders. I thought he had a pretty damn good year last year. At 5.3 yards per carry, he was the fifth best running back in the National Football League. 5.3 is the fifth best number. And yes, you can't compare total yards because some teams run it a hell of a lot more. And Miles Sanders wasn't the only back who got the ball here in Philadelphia. So I think average yards per carry is the best way to decide what kind of a season a guy had. And at 5.3 yards per carry, he's fifth best in the league. No one has him ranked as a top five back. No one has him ranked as a top 10 back. Shoot, uh, Pro Football Focus has got him 19. And Maurice Jones drew ex-NFL stud running back, now analyst for the NFL Network, ranked him deep in the 20s of NFL running backs. Are they dismissing and disparaging Miles Sanders in their evaluation issue? I think they are in some ways. I think the bigger concern, and this is based on last year, was he was banged up a lot. And and players get hurt in the NFL where you have an injury that knocks you out for six weeks. But when you have a guy, especially his size, with those nagging injuries, a hamstring here, an ankle here that doesn't go away, I think that's where the concern came from. I agree with you that I think a healthy Miles Sanders is just fine and dandy in the Eagles' backfield in this era, see Bill's Chiefs AFC Championship, where you're not going to throw the ball that much anyway. But you can get enough out of a Miles Sanders, not just as a back, but almost as importantly, catching the ball out of the backfield, that yes, as long as he can stay healthy, you can say that about anybody, and maybe you need someone else to help take the tread off the tires. This isn't Saquon Barkley in New York or Ezekiel Elliott coming back in Dallas who's going to carry a heavy workload. That would be the only concern, maybe the durability side with his size and the pounding he's taking in the NFL. Ed, before I get to any players, I got to talk about the head coach. I got to talk about your first impressions because we haven't had you on the show before of Nick Sirianni. Now, nationally, it's not good, you know, and we all know, we should know from Doug Peterson's first press conference. Everybody thought Doug was going to be a disaster. All of a sudden, this team's winning the Super Bowl. So it's not meaningful uh, when people make those splash judgments on a guy after, and this wasn't even a real press conference, it was a virtual press conference. Uh, so understanding it's not fair, there is kind of a rah-rah and I, whatever you want to call it. Uh, very excitable guy, and that's going to rub some people the wrong way if you don't have success. Do you think that's something to be concerned about, or is it overblown a little bit? I think it's overblown a little bit. I do think that all that rah-rah stuff is great. You have to go out and perform. It's great that he has all this energy. The first press conference was not a great impression, but as you said, I'm not going to judge the guy's tenure on one press conference. Like any coach, everyone from the from Rich Kotai to Andy Reid, I say give him a chance before you judge. One of the things that impressed me with him early, though, was – when he came to the players with all this talk about what's going to happen with OTAs, what's going to be mandatory, and he said, everyone, I want to listen, I want to learn, let's work something out so we can get this done together. And Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey talked about how he came to the middle, how he compromised. So how he does in the field ultimately will be how he's judged. But he took a big first step in getting that rapport with the players, particularly the veterans who he needs to get everybody to buy in. That's a big first step going into training camp. So the jury will be out until he starts coaching. But at least for the player relationship standpoint, I think that was a huge step in the offseason. And here's one thing that I don't know. And I don't know if you know either, but I'll ask you to give me your best guess scenario and or uh, healthy speculation. There was a lot of talk, a lot of rumors about 
how hands-on Jeffrey was during the Doug uh, Peterson administration here in Philadelphia, that, uh, that Doug would hear about it on days after wins, that they didn't throw the football enough with his Monday morning meetings with Jeff Laurie. And I'm sure that reporting was as accurate as it could be. Uh, even though he won a Super Bowl, Doug was a coach who had a pretty good thumb on his activities from both his owner and his general manager. So now you have a new guy who's never coached a day in the National Football League. And if the uh, members above him were hand-pushing the head coach in certain directions, you've got to believe the new guy is going to be directed and guided even more so going forward. But they let him pick his coaching staff. If you go down the Eagles coaching staff, almost to a man, every one of them has some kind of tie to Nick Sirianni. They never did that with Doug Peterson. Doug was dictated to as to what his coaching staff was going to be. He was good enough to keep a whole bunch of Chip Kelly guys. And then when he wanted to make moves, they said, no, no, that's not happening. We all know the famous. He's sticking around. He's going to be our offense quarter. And 48 hours later, he's fired. So we know it happened. We know how it shook out there. It was dictated to him. Do we read into the fact that he had so much say, Nick Sirianni, in putting together this coaching staff that maybe part of that transition that Jeff Laurie referenced is we're going to give the coach a chance to coach rather than micromanage things from behind the scenes. Am I just like whistling for Dick the year and being overly optimistic that they're going to give Nick Sirianni a chance to actually coach his football team? Well, if the reporting is accurate, and we feel like it is certainly with the people who are reporting it, I'm not so sure he'll have that total freedom. Maybe Jeffrey Lurie is realizing, okay, we have to loosen the chains a little bit here. But, look, they could have brought in someone with a lot more clout, with a lot more experience as head coach, who they would have realized they could not do what they reportedly did to Doug Peterson. So I think there's a fine line because if you're Jeffrey Lurie and you're Howie Roseman, you want to give the new coach a chance to build with the staff, to build with the players. And there has to be some hands-off there if what was told before is true with the way they dictated things with Doug. I think part of what happened with Doug, yes, there was some of that controlling, but after the Super Bowl, sometimes guys kind of, for lack of a better term, start smelling themselves a little bit and feel like, okay, we know what we're doing. We're in charge, Doug. This is how this is going to work. So I think there will be some leeway with Nick Sirianni. Now, if they start off at 4-8, and eight, we'll see how much of that leeway remains to be seen going forward. You know, Ed, I've been doing this uh, uh, preview series for Sports Illustrated, kind of ranking uh, the NFC East at each position. Just got done with the coaches. And I heard this again from a former AFC personnel guy, and I've heard it a number of times. And they make the comparisons, and I'm going to give it to you, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Sean McVay had Wade Phillips. Doug Peterson had Jim Swartz when he became a first-time head coach. Matt Nagy had Vic Fangio. On and on. Even last year, Joe Judge had Jason Garrett, um, who was a longtime coach of the Cowboys, obviously. Nick Sirianni doesn't have anybody. It, it seems to me his inner circle, the closest guys to him are Shane Steichen and Kevin Petullo. And it was interesting. He was explaining – uh, Kevin Petullo, when we got him, uh, was explaining how close he was to Nick Sirianni. He sounded like his right-hand man when he got into the Novacare complex. 
Do well, they need a veteran sounding board? Is this is this possible to even work with no experience? Is it possible? Yes, because we don't know if these assistants, just like the head coach, could, could turn out to be an outstanding staff. But you would like that veteran. Even when Andy Reid's rookie year came about, he brought in Rod Dowhower. He brought in a couple of veteran coaches. You would like to see that. Now, maybe this group grows together and becomes an outstanding staff. But like you said, there's not that established coach. Jim Schwartz had his critics. He had his people praising him. But there's no second guessing the fact that he came in here with experience. He had outstanding run as a defensive coordinator after his tenure with the Lions. He doesn't have that right now. And there is going to be that time, as much as I said, Nick Sirianni's established himself with the players, not just with the X's and O's. Every team in the NFL has the part of the year where the ship's rocky a little bit, and you need that steadying influence. A lot of that's going to have to be the veteran players, since, as you said, there's no one in that room. I would have liked to have seen at least one veteran coach just as a sounding board in there. That's not there. And so I think the biggest test with the staff is going to be when the waters are a little rocky this year to kind of get things refocused. And as a guy who's been in the Eagle locker room for years, and we all know last year was not the case because of COVID situation and everyone doing things virtually. So I'm taking you back to previous seasons. Zach Ertz was a main contributor on his team and a big part of the Super Bowl winning championship squad in 2017. He and the Eagles are at loggerheads. Uh, John, I am assuming yourself, don't believe he's going to be back there. We'll see how it shakes out. How it shakes out will be taken in by all of the current Eagle players. And guys like McMullen, McDonald, and Benkin will have opinions on how the Eagles handled it. Did they do it right? Did they do the right thing by the players? Zach Ertz, who someday may be in the Eagles' ring of honor. How much did the Eagles have to worry about that? How much is Howie Roseman considering what will the rest of my roster think on how I handle Zach Ertz? Should he just do what's best for the team in his eyes, just in relation to Zach Ertz and what you can get for him and the salary cap? Or does he have to take the opinion of other Eagle players on the rosters into consideration? I think he has to make what in his mind is the best move for the Philadelphia Eagles. The players may be upset if Zach Ertz is released or traded somewhere. That's, that's the business of the NFL, and we've seen it in that locker room. We saw Malcolm Jenkins exit after the season a couple of years ago. We see veterans go out the door. It's part of the business of the NFL. It certainly has worked in New England, uh, among the many things, like cutting a lawyer Malloy right before the start of a season. It is the business side of it, so the players may be upset, and the players may say, well, we really wanted Zach Ertz back. Why didn't you have this? meeting to patch everything up and bring them back in. But then it's time to go play football. Then it's time to hit the, the practice for training camp, get the first day with pads. So I don't think it will have a long-term effect with this group as far as what they decide to do with Zach Ertz. Having said that, if, as we believe, he is not going to be here, get this taken care of and get this over with now. Training camp starts July 27th. You don't want this to linger. You don't want this to fester. You don't want to have Dallas Goddard asking questions and answering questions about when is Zach Ertz going to be traded. If you're going to move forward, do it as quickly as you possibly can. All right, Ed, I feel like we buried the lead. The lead with the Philadelphia Eagles is the quarterback, and the quarterback is Jalen Hurts, and we got to see him a little bit uh, at the end of last season. We also look forward to next season. We see the three first-round picks. We see the salary cap uh, room that is going to be there after they take sort of that bad gulp of medicine from Carson Wentz. 
Jalen Hurts is getting one year to prove he can be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. What can he do to prove that? What what is what does he have to do to prove that to be the long term starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles? One of the things I think he already started to do last year that he has to continue to do is establish himself as the leader of this football team. And for a rookie, the veterans were blown away by his demeanor, by his presence. That's step one. He obviously has to continue to improve as a quarterback, getting Devontae Smith to throw the ball to and, and then hoping the Jalen Ragers of the world have better years. That'll certainly help. But there were mistakes that Carson Wentz made that Jalen Hurts didn't when he first came in, starting with, with the Arizona game, the New Orleans game. He has to continue to build on that. There's so many intangibles for a young quarterback. It's not just being able to make the throw. It's knowing when to throw the ball away. It's knowing when to vacate the pocket. We saw glimpses of that. We had kind of the appetizer a little bit. He Across the board, his skills have to continue, and he also has to continue to do what he's doing and establish himself in that locker room. I don't think he's he has to have Patrick Mahomes' numbers to stay around next year, but I think he has to do well enough for the Eagles to say, okay, we have a young quarterback in the second year. He took that step forward across the board with all the intangibles as well as the skills. We won some games thanks to him that could have gone either way, we feel comfortable going forward with him next year. So Ed believes that uh, Jalen Hurts is going to win the competition for starting quarterback <laughs> for the Philadelphia. Because the coach keeps telling us it's a competition. Wink, wink, nod, nod. I, I want to go to a place where I actually do believe there is a competition, and that's the starting left tackle. Um, we get a bunch of guys on here, and everyone gets to give us their Choice of the two, Jeff Stoutland will decide it more so than anybody else. So everyone always wants to hear what Jeff has to say about left tackle because it's probably going to come down to his call, and it should. We've got Andre Dillard, who was a first-round draft pick, a pick that the Eagles moved up to make. Andre Dillard, who's had injury issues and uh, inability to move when they asked him to go to the right side, looked pretty damn bad. Uh, but he's back in healthy, and he's at his natural position left tackle against Jordan Mailata, which is one of the best Eagle Flyers over the last couple of years, seventh-round pick who's come in and grown before our very eyes. Who's going to win the competition at left tackle, Ed Banken? And this is assuming Andre Dillard's healthy, of course. Judging from what I saw last year and what I saw from Andre Dillard before he was shut down, I'm leaning towards Jordan Mailata. Jordan had some rough moments. He had some very good moments last year, and when he had his rough moments – he knew they were rough moments. He corrected his mistakes the best he could. The trajectory continued to go upward, and I think he can continue to get better after pretty much a year of getting that time finally on the football field. Andre Diller, first of all, he has to be healthy. The thing that concerned me before he was hurt, John knows we were watching OTAs. We were watching training camp. He didn't look so good, and he has yet to show me anything that makes me think, okay, he not only can be a productive tackle in the NFL – but that he could be the starting left tackle, the blindside spot for somebody in the NFL. Milana did enough last year to make me say, okay, I've seen what this guy can do. He's gone out there. He, he's made his mistakes, but he also performed well. There were some games where he played as well as anybody in that position, as we've seen before Jason Peters started to get old and started to get injured. So right now, to me, it's Jordan Milana's job to lose because he's got a bit more of a resume right now on the field than Andre Dillard has. All right, the biggest concern, Ed, with the Philadelphia Eagles seems to be uh, the corner spot opposite Darius Slay. And Darius and Steven Nelson were kind of going back and forth on Twitter a little bit yesterday. By the way, Steven Nelson, his Twitter handler, 
his Twitter handle is at Nelson Island. I think he should change that. Uh, the expectations, if the Eagles bring in Steven Nelson, and I think they're going to bring in Steven Nelson at some point because he's not going to get a ton of money and he's going to get an opportunity here to be a starter from day one. If they can get Steven Nelson in, or if they don't get Steven Nelson in, how many Toms are you going to use on third downs this year? <laughs> a lot. Um, <laughs> it's, it is, I think I agree, the biggest concern. I mean, getting Anthony Harrison in the secondary and the safety can help kind of stabilize things in general a little bit across the board. When you have the back end stable, it kind of carries over a little bit. But uh, there is concern, and let's face it, even last year, with the Green Goblin back there, everybody go, it's been kind of an up-and-down year of the secondary, and even Slay had his good moments, but maybe not the kind of moment that you said, yeah, that's why we paid all this money to get this guy in here and have him as a shutdown corner. So because of that, that is the biggest concern. You have enough of a kind of a mishmash back there. He comes in. I think he can win the spot. I think it's a situation right now where you're concerned across the board, and hence why the pass rush has to be better this year as well. I think that is a concern, and you need that depth, certainly in an era of the NFL where you're playing nickel personnel more, when you have diamond there more, and you've had guys who have not achieved what you hope to achieve. And so that would be my biggest concern going in. And having said all that, Darius Slay has to play like the shutdown corner they hoped he would be when they brought him in last year. And in the wide receiver room for the Eagles this offseason, they had a mega potential star in Devonta Smith. That's my opinion. I said it before the Eagles ever drafted him. I love the kid. I thought he was the best wide receiver in the draft. And the Eagles maneuver nicely to be in a position to take him, drop back to where they wouldn't have got him, move back up again to get in position and grab him. I'm a huge fan, and I think he's going to have a uh, big first year. And he's already got an ongoing relationship with the Eagles' potential starting quarterback. Because remember, it's a competition. Um, but we know that he's already worked with Jalen Hurts at Alabama. Even though he's never made a play in the National Football League, he's their number one wide receiver. You got a bunch of other guys in that room that are young, that have had whatever opportunities they've had, who want to have this being a blossom breakout type year for themselves. Is there going to be an issue that the new guy who's never made a play, and I know Jalen Rager hasn't made that many plays, and uh, Fulgham had a great run, but then kind of disappeared. And Watkins and Hightower and J.J., uh, Jay Jaw uh, have all had their varying numbers of chances in the National Football League. Is it a good or bad thing that a new guy's coming in, a rookie looking to be the number one wide receiver this year? How did the other guys in the wide receiver room respond? Well, I don't think it'll be a bad thing if he produces, and I don't think they'll have anything to complain about if, as you said, and I agree, Devontae Smith turns out to be as good as we think he is going to be. I think if you're the other receivers in the room, you have to look at this and put your ego by the door and say, okay, let him catch his 12 catches during the game. Because if Devontae Smith starts producing like we think he is, think he, think he will, you're going to see more coverage go his way. You're going to see more single coverage of your Jalen Rager or some of the other ego receivers. When you have a star at one spot, it can open up opportunities for you if you're one of the other receivers. And, you know, for a guy like Ortega Whiteside, it's now or never. You've got guys who have to do something this year. When you have a star receiver who the Eagles obviously did not have last year, you had balance in the Super Bowl year, certainly. And you had a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, who his first year here was tremendous. 
then it draws attention away from some of the other guys. It also opens up things for the tight ends as well. So I think that's the key. If you're the receiver, you better not worry about whether he's going to catch more passes than you. You better say, hey, this guy getting open, this guy making an impact is going to make me a better receiver because it's going to change the way other teams cover me and in general how defenses play against the Eagles. Ed, last one from me. And I want to mention uh, before I ask Ed this, because it is summer beach season, and Ed wrote a book, The First 50 Super Bowls, How Football's Championships Was Won. So I encourage everybody to pick that up. Uh, it's a great read. I've read it. Uh, so everyone do that. Ed, you've been in this town for almost two decades covering pro sports, KYWWIP. I always say this. I asked Les this. I asked Damo. I asked Nick. When you talk about the Eagles, I'm got, I'm taking the Super Bowl off the table because that's too obvious. Give me give me the most exciting moment, the most interesting moment you covered uh, when you were doing the Philadelphia Eagles. Are we talking in the media room? Or are we talking? talking well, no, we, we're not that, talking that's about a whole show yeah. for another day. Yeah. That's a whole uh, nother show. Well, let's keep it on field. I think the whole the saga that happened a little bit with Chip Kelly was incredible to cover towards the end when he's saying, I'm in charge, I'm not in charge. It was kind of like, let, let's look back at the press release from the year before where he said he's in charge of personal. That whole soap opera towards the end, you could see a building. That was what I say. It wasn't easy, oh, easy for fans, but it was interesting. As far as games, aside from the Super Bowl run, I think that the last day of the season – when 50 things had to happen and then they went out and murdered the Cowboys to get into the playoffs and then make a decent run that year to get to the, to the NFC Championship game, including beating the Giants up at the Meadowlands, who were a two-loss team and a big favorite. That run was was fun because, as we know in the NFL, sometimes the unexpected happens. We're sitting there that day at 345 making plans to get cover the end-of-the-season news conference, and then suddenly you're on a plane to Arizona three weeks later. So that And that's all part of the fun of the NFL is that – you never know what's going to happen. It's a week-by-week -week drama. As far as what happened on the field, that was one of my more memorable moments when we went from preparing for the end of the year for them in, a, in three hours to following them all the way to the championship game. All right. I'm going to take you into the press room, press box. I'm going press box specific. <laughs> on Sundays, covering the Eagles, game time can range from 1 o'clock and you're eating breakfast to 4 o'clock to a night game. What was the best fare that the Eagles ever put out for you? What was your favorite thing to eat when you say, all right, I know it's good because they're a little predictable at times, uh, but what was the thing that you looked forward to? Hey, I'm eating on the Eagles today. This is not a bad thing. I'm going to enjoy myself. Well, from what I can remember before, it was gobbled up by everybody else in that meeting room. John and I know you better be first in line if you get there. Uh, I personally still loved the Sunday at 1 o'clock games. Yeah, and I'm getting there, oh, yes, getting there before the traffic hits at like 9 30, getting to the omelet station upstairs and having my little omelet, egg white omelet prepared with all the fixings and getting my free cup of coffee and just sitting. I never took it for granted sitting there. Yes, the food was great, but also having my Java and looking over the field three hours before game time thinking. Yeah, this is fun. I could I could keep doing this for a while. We never yeah. took it for granted how lucky we've been. Uh, but as far as the bill affair, I would say the fine omelet station would rank at the top, and that's also another reason why I like those one o'clock games. Yeah, yeah that's right. But I take it for granted. Where's the <laughs> omelet guy when he's not there? That's my first thing.
And uh, I remember getting some of those ob- and then being uh, vilified by some of my fellow media members when I would put ketchup on it. They'd say, you can't do that. That's I a nice album. Why would you put ketchup on it? Always nope. put ketchup on it. Yes, nothing wrong with that. Spices up a little bit fine with me. Maybe a little bit of the hot sauce, too. All right, yeah. give us a sign-off, Ed. Give us an Ed Banking sign-off. On Birds 365, I'm Ed Banking. Birds 365. I almost slipped there. Oh, See, no, I, I thought he was going to go KYW for us. Yeah. I I have, to, I have to actually see if I can legally do that right now. So <laughs> we're, we're glad you didn't. Glad you didn't get in trouble. We're also glad that you came on with us today. If you don't mind, we'll tap into you from time to time uh, during the upcoming year. Thanks for doing it. Guys, my pleasure. Thanks so much. And I'm sure I'll, I'll see you at some point down the road. Thanks, Lincoln, here with us on Birds 365. All right, we'll come back in just a couple. I got a uh, another thing or two I run, run by Jay Mack. Got a good guest for you coming in hour number two. Adam Kaplan, um, who we've had on the show previously, uh, host uh, co-host of Inside the Birds podcast, is going to hop aboard with us. We'll talk some football. Coming up in about 20 with Adam Kaplan here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. 
ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Thanks, Daddy Benkin, for joining us on Bird Street 65, McMullen and McDonald, rocking into hour number two with you. As I mentioned, our buddy Adam Kaplan is going to join us coming up in about 20 minutes, NFL Insider Sirius XM and Inside the Birds podcast. Um, I asked you, John, uh, before about the article you put up on, on Philly Voice about missed opportunities for the Philadelphia Eagles if they had the chance to be on hard knocks which we don't know if they did or didn't, but if they did, uh, both you and I thought it might be a good idea, maybe me a little more strongly than you, but it's now water under the bridge because Jerry Jones is once again going to be featured nationally. There's national appeal, and then there's local appeal. I want to ask you a local question again because I've seen on a almost day-in, day-out basis over the last uh, couple weeks the announcement of how many team practices – are going to be open to teams' fan bases. Uh, the Chargers don't practice at their facility. They do it uh, elsewhere in, uh, I think, Santa Monica or somewhere along those lines, uh, one of those fancy towns out there in California. But they got, they're going to have 17 open practices that fans can attend this upcoming year. The Cowboys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Boys, they're going to have 13 or 14 open practices. I just saw yesterday... The Green Bay Packers. And oh, by the way, they've got some things that they'd probably like to keep under wraps as of right now. Are planning on having double digits, 12 and 13 practices, open to the public and for Packer fans to come in and judge for themselves. The Eagles are having two. And they've done this the last couple of years since they said they're no longer going to a college campus to have their training camp. They have limited the practices for the fans. Now, you as a member of media have more access, but even your access is limited. You get a period of time that you can go in and you can watch, and then they go, all right, everybody out of here. Now we'll do stuff that's really important, that there's no watchful eye over us. Again, the Eagles limiting their exposure. Don't know if it's because of groupthink of the National Football League that, my God, we can't let anyone know what we're doing. But are they missing the boat? Are they selling their fans short by not letting the fans inside, behind the curtain, able to judge for themselves? Are the Eagles selling their fan base short? Yes and no. I mean, obviously they are. There are logistical problems and the fact that the Novacare complex isn't big enough. Like some of these facilities, the Star and Dallas being one of them. It's interesting to me because, Jerry, again, I'm giving people are going to get mad because I'm giving Jerry Jones credit. He he understands these things. He's got this brilliant facility that has a hotel on it. Uh, I you know it's a 
it's almost like a mini city in its own. And oh, by the way, he's going to spend half his time in California to still get the fans involved as he has done for years pre-pandemic. Um, so he's going to go back and forth. A lot of these teams have these facilities where they can bring the fans in. What is pretty much ending, there are a few holdouts, and, and you mentioned some of them that still go to college campuses and still talk. Andy Reid's been one of them for years as well. Talk about the camaraderie and, and building relationships. But it's also it, it's also more difficult now for two reasons. One, you got to move. You got to bring everything with you. Randy Mueller said that yesterday as well. You got to bring weight rooms. You got to bring, you know, medical rooms. You got to shift everything to a different environment. That's number one. Number two, you're not there as long. So it doesn't make as much sense to do it because everything's been scaled back so much. That's true. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, but I think from the Eagles perspective, I, I think they made a mistake. And this is, you know, People say it's 10 bucks, it's for charity. Yeah, it is. And I get that. And most people can give up 10 bucks and it's not that big of a deal. But training camp used to be the one place where your fans could go for free and see the team. And they do have two open practices at Lincoln Financial Field. But you bring a family of, you know, four or five, that's 50 bucks. You got you to gotta pay for concessions. They're certainly not giving you food. Um I don't know how things work completely. I think they missed the boat a little bit there, but they just can't have a lot of fans at the Novacare complex. It's just not big enough. The cost of it, and yes, let us note full well that the Eagles turn the money that they generate from the practices that they have, that they charge for attendance over to charity. So it's not money going into Jeff Lloyd's pockets. Let's certainly get that on the record. The money aspect of it doesn't bother me. And it's not because I can afford the 10 bucks. It, it really wouldn't. Even if I were in a less than uh, being able to pay situation, if you want something, you, there's nothing in the world is the point I'm trying to make. So very few things that are free anymore. You got paid for everything, at least the nominal cost. No, it's the fact that you don't even have the opportunity. You have the opportunity to go to two practices, when for years, and there are a lot of Eagle fans that predate the Eagles going to the Novocamp complex and taking preseason practice out of it, more than not, as a matter of fact, who did take that ride out of town to, to go. The cost was getting in your car and going on the Northeast Extension uh, to be able to watch the practice. That bothers me more, not the fact that they're actually asking you to pay for something that you used to get for free. Well, that's the way of the world anymore. Everybody charges for everything, and the Eagles are charging too, and they turn around and give it to charity, so we tip our cap for them. I just think that they're putting their fans kind of behind the eight ball before the season even starts, that you don't have the inside information. You don't have the access to your fans. Uh, for the, the new generation, and you're always talking about turning over your fan base, when you used to be able to go to preseason workouts, getting an autograph. And I remember the lines on those tents. They would have different guys come in and sign autographs. And you would back up for hundreds of yards because you, yeah, you got a chance to do a personal one-on-one -on -one with a player. Even if it was just say thanks when they sign the autograph. But you got to look a player in the eye. You don't get that anymore. And, yeah, they're always going to sell tickets in this town because – 
it's a football starved town and they love their birds. But I don't know if the passion, we use that, we throw that word around a lot. Uh, I don't know if the passion is the same. And I think one of the reasons why is you don't have that close personal interconnection uh, uh, relationship that you used to be able to get during the preseason. Yeah, I mean, I I used to love old school training camp, Jody. Two a days uh, out there, the access, as you mentioned, from a media person, it's even gotten scaled back to a ludic ludicrous degree. I used to walk around the practice field with Mike Tice when he was the head coach of the Vikings. After every practice, after every single practice, uh, a, a group of us got to walk around with the head coach of the football team and talk about stuff off the record. Um, and you have, if I did that today, I'd get tased, Jody, if I tried to walk around the practice field with the head coach. Uh, the world has changed, as you mentioned. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot different. Uh, I think everybody is going to be back at their facility at some point because it just doesn't make financial sense to move for such a short period of time. The problem for the Eagles, again, is an overcare complex, especially when you look at some of these new facilities, the star in Dallas, the new one for the Rams in Los Angeles is unbelievable. Uh, we were out for Super Bowl 52, the, the Vikings new practice facility. They, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, they're behind the eight ball when it comes to that. Uh, they have to think about expanding the Novacare complex. Uh, there is plenty of room, but it's owned by the city. So you have all these politics that enter into it. Uh, until they get the space, there's not going to be a lot of fans. Now, they let fans in, Jody, but it's, ten, it's generally sponsors, VIPs, marketing things, and they have a day. Maybe a company sponsors something, and they'll have tents set up for them, and you get to bring your employees, whatever. They have fans that come, but the old school way of doing training camp, there's no practices. You can't do the old school way. No. It, 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 it can't be done. And I did uh, many a show from Lehigh uh, for years, went up there. And the thing that always used to get me, John, they'd be one or two guys. You get, got hundreds of fans sitting on bleachers, standing by the fence, cheering when big plays are made. Uh, just a great atmosphere. But you have one or two idiots who would be up there going when a guy dropped the ball. You stink! Why? Or how dare you? You don't deserve to wear eagle green. And it would, I roll my eyes every single time. There's always got to be one in the crowd. And I don't believe for a millisecond that that's why they no longer have practices because no. of a couple of jerks. They would well, show we up did talk about with hard knocks, we talked about the secrecy aspect of it as well. They don't mind that part of it. Because they do think they're doing important work, Jody. They do think they're doing CIA-level work. And if anybody sees, you know, if anybody sees what they're going to do, I think this league is so ironic to me because, you know, one of the big coach-speak things since the beginning of time is execution, execution, execution. And I always bring up uh, Jimmy Johnson, who admitted uh, the Cowboys during their run when they were – you know, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, every they had three running plays. Every everybody knew what was coming. They couldn't right. stop it. They couldn't stop it. It's all about execution, but they pretend it's just, you know, we're on a different level. We're doing so many things different. No, you're not. No, you're not. 
And that's why I brought up hard knocks. Nobody's seeing anything. Nobody has lost a game from being on hard knocks. Nobody, Jody. Nobody. Now, this may be considered blasphemous, and if it is, I'll take the slings and arrows um, because you're painting a pretty good picture here of the Eagles' desire to keep certain things state secrets under wraps. In other words, they think they're smarter than everybody else in the room. Um, is Philly Philly the root of this? That they had this play ready to go in the Super Bowl that they hadn't unveiled, that they had just put together prior to their playoff run, and then not only did they run it, but they ran it to perfection to a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Is this all because of Philly Philly? No. When I talked about Wednesday installs, the Eagles would always have a play like Philly Philly in there, and and that's what th they were showing. They were practicing. They practiced Philly Philly for weeks before they broke it out. That the big part of of that play was having the testicular fortitude to do it at that moment on the biggest stage and then obviously executing it. Uh, but, you know, Press Taylor was the one who found that play. He found that play from a meaningless Bears-Vikings uh, uh, Week 17 game when both were out of the playoff hunt, uh, and the Bears ran it uh, on for a two-point conversion. Everybody steals from everybody in this league. That's a Bears play. And by the way, it's not a Bears play. They stole it from the college level. And the college level probably stole it from the high school level. <laughs> uh, everybody steals from everybody in this league. And Press Taylor, as I said, went on record. He got it from that Week 17 game. Uh, it was a Bears run play, and they ran it successfully. And he took it to Doug Peterson. The rest is history. So – no, they didn't come up with that play. It wasn't unique. They stole it from somebody else. So, you know, it, and by the way, Jody, the Eagles are no different than anybody else. As I said, everybody else is the same way. State secrets. We're doing important work here. Eh, I think they're all full of you. Know, right. A uh, little over the top. Uh, all right. I want to run somebody who talk about it basically on a show in, show out basis. Will the Eagles add another cornerback? Who's going to be the starting cornerback? Are they getting any closer to Steven Nelson? Oh, by the way, I didn't pick up on this. Steven Nelson and Darius Slay communicating on social yeah, media? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you get wind of that one, J-Mac? Uh, I followed Darius. So, it, you know, it wasn't uh, very important. But uh, he did have a little back and forth with uh, trying to pull it up as we speak. Uh with with Steven Nelson. Um and let me see if I can pull I'm sorry it up. if I got you searching no. Twitter, but when you, you mentioned that then I had not picked up on that. I didn't know not know about that. Um is it just two NFL guys? Does Darius Slay uh carry on these uh social media conversations with other guys under contract uh in the National Football League or was this something specific because he's a free agent who might be able to make well, here it is. Life I pulled, a little easier. Uh, he, Darius tweeted, I, Nelson, I, at Nelson Island, which again is silly. You as a Jets fan should take offense to that. Uh, uh, and, and I don't. No, uh, the fact that Revis uh, got the term into the, uh, the, the world of the National Football League, so be it. Those who think they can be on an island, more power to them. Yeah. A little confidence, a little cockiness, not the worst thing in the world. 
John and I will sit in judgment if you actually are an island quarterback. And Stephen Nelson, if you don't, if you're going to go there and then not play there, yes, then it's a bad idea. But uh, seeing as he hasn't played it down yet, I'm cool with that. uh, Jody, if it's July 7th and you can't get $3 million on a deal, uh, you're probably not going to be able to be on that island uh, alone. But that's just my theory. Who knows? But uh, anyway, so uh, Darius tweeted, I, Nelson Island, that green will look good on you. And Stephen Nelson tweeted back, it could be all so simple, my man. So uh, there it is. Yeah, hey, well, that, that's easy enough to read between the lines. When yeah. the Eagles pony up my asking number, yeah, I'll be your teammate, bro. I'll come in exactly. play across from you. Don't, don't uh, tweet at me. Tweet at your boy, Howie Roseman, and yeah. we get this thing done. You give me $4 million and I'm there tomorrow. That's exactly. basically what he's saying. Uh, but I want to put the uh, CB2 conversation aside for just a second. John, an excellent potential defensive addition to the Philadelphia Eagles came onto the NFL market ne- yesterday. The former Philadelphia Eagle, Nate Gary, became available when he was cut by the 49ers. Now, yeah. they didn't sign him. We're kind of poking some fun at uh, Steven Nelson, because we're sitting here in July and he hasn't signed. Nate Gary didn't sign till March, which usually is a quicker run on free agents. It was late March, too. So he had to wait for a while. And the 49ers signed him, but they turned around and cut him. And this is like a weird time when guys get cut. Either it happens immediately after offseason workouts or you let them get into camp and you can make a decision quickly in camp. But to be cut in the middle of the downtime, of the National Football League is not a good look. I remember Nate Gary making plays here. They were few and far between. And maybe when he did make them, some people got overly excited. But I won't say that he was a god-awful stiff who, when he was who here. Who were those players? Because I Eagles fans hated Nate Gary. They hated the poor guy. I felt they hated him so much. I felt bad for him. Same here, uh, because uh, doing shows and uh, Gary killed us and Gary did. I said, the the, the Eagles have bigger problems than Nate Gary. But I agree that it was time to move on. And they did. And uh, he's not even a guy that you can say, oh, he knows the system because it's a whole new system here. They changed their coaching staff. What do you think he did so bad to get bounced out of San Francisco at this juncture of the offseason? Uh, he was he was uh, waved injured, I believe. So, oh really? An, I didn't yeah, see he, that. He had an ankle injury, and you know it's interesting when Adam comes on because I didn't check it, so I'll ask Adam. But I I believe he was waved injured, uh, and he had an ankle problem uh, here at, at the end of his time. So it was assumed it was related to that, and then you have to work out an injury settlement. And that's what the 49ers are probably going to do. Now, he didn't sign that much for that much anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's a similar thing to, you know, a, a rookie undrafted player like Trevon Grimes who got hurt. Uh, Eagles had to work out an injury settlement before they could release him off injured reserve. So um, he is hurt. He's not completely healthy. I don't think he's going to be back here. Um you know, it could probably help as a special teams player. It's always a good special teams player. But uh, they they brought in Eric Wilson. Alex Singleton proved himself to a certain degree. So I don't, I don't see the, the 
reunion. Now, if Jim Swartz was still here and Ken Plajol were still here, I'd probably have a different uh, take on it because those two guys loved it, Nate Gary. They loved it. Right. When uh, I read it on, I was on Pro Football Talk yesterday. I didn't notice that there was any injury attachment to it. I thought it was just, yeah, we saw enough Nate Gary and we're moving on from him, uh, which I, again, just by the timing of it, grabbed my attention because you don't see guys uh, getting cut who are just signed as free agents. You only have uh, X amount of workouts to look at the guy. You'd made a decision to sign him off what he had done in his previous stop, which was here in Philadelphia, yet they uh, were quick enough to move off from him. I hope that's the case. I hope he's actually hurt because then that at least will give him an explanation as to potentially landing with another team. He had to get healthy uh, and the 49ers uh, didn't want to use a roster spot uh, for waiting for him to get injured. Uh, I thought the guy was an okay guy. Uh, you uh, you ever ask him any questions in the locker room? Was he the kind of guy who'd uh, talk to you or was he? Uh, oh, yeah, Nate was fine. You know, he had a nickname, Snake, uh, <laughs> Nate Gary. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Ken Flajol loved him. He was the linebacker's coach. Jim Swartz liked him. I would say the year before, he played through a core muscle injury. So that's when I started really getting hate for reporting that what I just said, the coaching staff loved him. Well, I got a lot of hate for saying that. I don't know why you get hate for saying right. you're, you're reporting what someone else says. But nonetheless, Ken, Ken Flagell used to talk. He, he used to call it high-speed internet, uh, his ability to understand what's going on. Uh, called the defense and that type of thing. He wasn't a good player on the field. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. He wasn't quite as bad as people make him out to be. I always say this, Jody. I don't understand. There are some players who this fan base will just not accept any criticism for, and some of them aren't that good. And there are other players that they just can't stand. And Nate Gary was one of those players. I don't understand why he was a hard worker. He played through injury, but they didn't like him. Right. Well, uh, and I can give you a, uh, my own guesstimate. He got burned on some big plays, plays out of the backfield, trying to cover someone. And those things stick in your head. The guy that reminds me of is Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills got burnt a couple of times on very big plays that the way it developed on television, you could see that he just blatantly got burnt and people would forget the plays that he would make. He'd actually make plays, but they'd remember the big plays in which he got abused, and then therefore they would take shots at him. I thought he was a guy who took too much grief when he was here, and Nate Gary was kind of the same way because there were a handful of really ugly, bad efforts. Uh, they thought that that came down on every single play, and it just wasn't a fact. All right, D. John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. We are the uh, Mac and Mac. Birds 365, guys. Looking forward to talking to our next guest. We've had him on previously. I've had him on as a guest many a time over the year. NFL insider for Sirius XM and the co-host of the Inside the Birds podcast. Our buddy Adam Kaplan joins us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are your Birds 365 guys, McMullen and McDonald. Uh, We've got a good couple of minutes to invest with our next guest and it's good that we have these minutes because he's gonna tell us something that we probably didn't know before he's one of the best nfl inside information guys that there is he does it for serious xm and he's inside the birds podcast his co-host adam kaplan jumps aboard birds 365 how's your down season going adam Jody, good to talk to you. Yeah, down season. Yeah, I wish I had one. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> you know I cover thirty two teams, not just one. So I'm I'm constantly trying to get information, and um, it's been interesting because you know the coaches have been around the NFL and executives have been on vacation, and you could always do contracts. Some teams are going to do extensions before camp start. Twenty nine teams re- report by the twenty seventh. There'll be some extensions done. We had one last week. Ryan Ramchick got one uh, with with the Saints and. Um, we'll have more done over the next couple of weeks, but yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of trying to get information, playing a little golf, playing a little tennis. Uh, just was at Ron Jaworski's uh, golf uh, deal in uh, at the Trop a couple of weeks ago at the pool. It's good to see Jaws and uh, Jason Jones. 
and so uh, some current Eagles, some ex Eagles. Doug Peterson, by the way, was there. Uh, mm-hmm. Saw him for a second, but uh, just trying to get ready for training camp and stay in shape. That's the other thing I'm trying to do. <laughs> Adam, good to see you. One of those potential uh, contract extensions locally could be Dallas Goddard. Dallas confirmed yeah. that uh, he was in negotiations. Uh, for a potential extension. We all know the Zach Ertz situation. Most people don't expect him to be here, whether that's July 27th or it goes into August. Ultimately, uh, from the Eagles' perspective, how how desirous would it be to get something done early? Because if this guy bets on himself, Adam, he could be up there with the highest paid tight ends in football. Yeah, John, I wouldn't. what you just said, the latter part, I would not rule that out. I, I'm not saying he doesn't want a deal and the Eagles don't want to do an extension they'd like to, but he is so gifted. And we, we had said on Inside the Birds a couple months ago, after the draft, if Ertz was not traded at that point, we said whether Ertz is on the, this, the, the roster or not, this is going to be Dallas Goddard's breakout season if he could play around a minimum of 15 games. But remember, we have a 17-game season. Yeah. I have to keep reminding myself of that. I keep screwing that up. But it is weird. They just think the world of him. Uh, we also were told that uh, this coaching staff absolutely loves this player. Uh, they, I'm guessing some of them from scouting or seeing coaching tape from uh, leading up to the 18 draft. Uh, a lot of this offense staff was familiar with him, particularly Steichen, the OC, coming over from the Chargers, Sirianni coming over from the Colts, Kevin Petullo, Sirianni's right-hand man, and others. They were really familiar with him. And he's just one of those rare three-down tight ends that doesn't just block. He does everything well. The one thing, though, he struggles with is staying healthy. We know that. Um, I don't see him getting a deal done unless he gets a market deal, from what I understand. When I say market, I'm not saying he's getting George Kittle's deal. Nobody's getting that deal. That is an historic deal at over $15 million per season, which was a great deal by Jack Becta. Philadelphia is Jack Becta, by the way, who, who represented uh, Jermaine Mayberry. You might remember him. Yeah. Uh, former Eagles first-round pick. But I, I, I think he's going to have to get – for him to get a deal done, he's going to have to do better than Austin Hooper, who got $10.5 million. Um, it won't be easy to do his deal because, A, he's got time left. He's on the final year, so he's got one year left. And, B, from the Eagles' standpoint, if you know they look at it and say, okay, we love this player. He's been a great second-round pick to a certain extent, but he does have an injury history. So how do you balance that? But from Goddard's standpoint, getting a market deal, as you said, John, and just waiting and, and, and betting on himself. Harry Roseman has shown over the years he likes to do that. He's willing to take that risk. Anytime you do any contract with anybody, there's risk on both sides. The players player could undersell himself. The team could overplay, overpay if they have a higher estimate that he's going to turn around and produce. It's it's a risk reward on both parties' sides. Howie has shown the uh, desire to do it and potentially uh, win it uh, ahead of time and and be aggressive in doing so. You gave us the breakout on Goddard. Is there another guy on this team that could fall into that category if it is something that, and it has, in my opinion, that how he showed he likes to do? Is there another guy that maybe is flying under the radar that they could have a good, quick negotiation get with and get a future commitment out of? Yeah, a couple. Jordan Mailata, I wouldn't roll that out by the start of the regular season. He's not, wouldn't be the priority yet that Goddard is. Goddard is the future. There's no question he's the guy at tight end. He was drafted to be that guy. He's still that guy uh, as we, we kind of progress towards the season here in training camp. Now, I say that you have to be careful with Mylotta because he is competing against Dillard. We, we've felt for a long time that Mylotta is the landslide favorite, 
but he hasn't won it yet. They haven't had the real competition. It cannot start till training camp because you can't do anything physical until training camp. So we'll see. And Andre Dillard, look, he's he's put on the weight. Uh, he looks good. I, I, I know we don't want to overrate what players say in press conferences, but he certainly seems to say the right things. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. So, you know, overall, that's going to be a competition that's going to be very, very interesting. Adam, I want to talk to you about Stephen Nelson. We got to go down that road. He and yeah. Darius Slay uh, had a little bit of a Twitter <laughs> back and forth. Not much, but Darius said that, you know, Stephen would look good and green and Stephen came back. It would all be so simple, my man. You know, what are we talking about? Two million versus four million? What 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 is it for the Eagles to get this deal done? Because they have one thing nobody else could offer them, and that's opportunity he can go and be a significant part of many other teams. Everybody's looking for corners. We all know that. But the Eagles can say, look, if you don't fall on your face, you're going to be the starting corner opposite Darius Slay. And that's an opportunity to make more money on the free agent market next year. Yeah, so there are a lot of ways to look at it. Um, the Eagles, they don't need to do a first a, a, a one-year deal with him. They could do a one-year deal with a or two-year deal with a one-year structure, just depending on how they want to structure it. He's only 28 years old. It's a little bit younger than I thought. The guy started games for the Chiefs and Steelers. Uh, the, the issue that, just checking into it, I've checked in with a bunch of teams on what their opinion of this. I know I, know, I talked to a couple of teams I know are in on it. Um, their belief is, they, they know he won't get it, but he'd like to get close as he could to the $8.25 million salary, which he would have made with the Steelers. Yeah, he's not going to make that, obviously. No. Uh, wh where I think it'll end, John, it, wherever he signs, where, whether it's with the Eagles or another team, I think it'll be the cash equivalent will be four to five million. I think it'll be somewhere in that range. The Eagles don't want to pay quite that much, as we as we first reported on Inside the Birds, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. It's been a quiet situation with Nelson. He clearly wants a certain amount of money. Teams aren't willing to pay it, but you made a great point here. There aren't a lot of situations where you can come in. There's no competition for the starting job. If he comes in here, he's starting. There's no competition. Eagles can say what they want. Zach yeah. McPherson is not starting over Stephen Nelson if he comes here. Um, now, there are other teams, as I understand it, where he would go in and probably start, where he might have to compete for the starting job. Um, now, money also would be a factor in that if he gets four to five million somewhere else, he probably would go in as a prohibitive starter, someone have to take the job away from him. Guy's a good football player, very competitive, smart. Oh, a little pre, we'll give you a little nugget. We uh, we just completed our training camp series, uh, our preview series with, on Inside the Birds with Greg Cosell from NFL Films. We just got, we ju we're going to drop the Eagles tomorrow morning at, at 6 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Greg does a Stephen Nelson review. You must hear this. The, the, Greg's the best. Jody, I know you've had him on your show uh, years ago. Sure. I've heard you guys together. Greg does it better than anyone else who doesn't work for an NFL team. And he gets some great intel on Steven Nelson's skill set, how he plays, and how he would potentially fit in with Eagles. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. All right, speaking of fitting in with the Eagles, we're not sure how anybody fits in yet because it's a whole <laughs> new coaching staff, head coach, all the way through the entire coaching staff has been changed. Um, what uh, you guys have had is when your minimal chances to meet with them and get to ask them questions, you can formulate opinions as to what type of system they're going to run. But until we actually see it on the field, that's all that it is, is speculation. 
but people will, if they're free agents and they're out there and they're talking, they, there'll be rumors, there'll be some innuendo as to what the Eagles are going to do. Is there any buzz around the league about the new Eagle coaching staff? Now, they're not the only one. If you want to tell us about any other new coaching staff in the National Football League, is anybody garnering intention uh, around the league without having actually shown anything on film yet about, hey, the, the, this new team, this new coaching staff has actually got a chance to hit the ground running in this town? All right, Jerry, let's start first with scheme, then we'll get into what the reputations are of the coaches. So we had reported back in February on our show that they're going to run some sort of a West Coast offense, whether it's terminology or just structure. This is going to be a old school run after the catch offense where timing is and accuracy is going to be absolutely huge. Not that accuracy is important for a quarterback. Obviously, it is. It's pretty much the number one trait, but especially so in a timing-based offense. This is not a throw it down the field 20 times a game off. That's not what this is. This is run after the catch. So I think uh, Mo, Jeff Mosher, my broadcast partner on Inside the Birds, had said that what he had heard it uh, added to what I would reported, he said that he also heard that option routes are going to be heavy in this offense. And that, man, that puts a burden on the quarterback and the receivers and the timing and, and understanding that unspeaking or unspoken language of, okay, against this coverage, I know I have to be here. And Jalen Hurts will be the Eagle starter of the season at quarterback. He knows against that coverage, okay, one, two, hitch, out. And the and the receiver's got to be there. So you can't expect this as uh, you know, to happen overnight. It's going to take time. One of the things I really look forward to at training camp is seeing the, the chemistry, Jody, from Hurts with these receivers. And by the way, they're very, very young, other than uh, Greg Ward. The Eagles are only one of two NFL teams not to have a vested veteran receiver on the roster, which is almost unheard of. Which is not a bad thing, though, for this team because they need to get younger. But other than Greg Ward, they don't have anyone who's really done it before. So this is going to take time for this passing game. Hey, Adam, you mentioned something, and I'm glad you did it because I talked about this after getting an opportunity to talk with Kevin Petullo in that he's Nick Sirianni's right-hand man. I don't, I don't know if people realize this. He's Nick Sirianni's right-hand man. So what I've been asking a lot of people, I'm going to run this by you. You think about the template of the NFL with these young coaches. When Sean McVay came in, it was Wade Phillips. And Tuck Peterson's not that young, but he had Jim Swartz. Uh, Matt Nagy had Vic Fangio. Um, you know, even last year, Joe Judge had Jason Garrett. You know, we're talking about Nick Sirianni and, and, and the passionate Philadelphia fan base market Kevin Petullo is the sounding board. Does that concern you a little bit that there's no veteran presence on that staff as a whole? Yeah, yeah out funny. Hug. Right. I know what you're getting at because we, we had heard that there was a consideration to hire a senior offensive assistant, whether it's Ken Wisnant or somebody like that. I, I yeah. This is going back three or four months, but I was told it, it like it had been discussed, but nothing was happening. And, and to this point, nothing's happened. Now, I know the Browns hired Kevin Rogers. Kevin Stefanski hired his mentor, Kevin Rogers, in late July last year. So it's not like the Eagles can't add anyone. And you make a fair point. Now, Steichen, Shane Steichen did a phenomenal job, ironically, taking over Wisenhut as a play caller for the Chargers. Did a great mm -hmm. job, considering. And look at, they had the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah. yeah. At quarterback with Justin Herbert. Quite frankly, I was shocked that um, 
that Brandon Staley didn't want him back. Uh, you know, he, he, he moved away from Pep Hamilton and, and Steichen, so that, that surprised me. Now, now getting to Petullo, I talked to the uh, Jet Source about who worked with him. Uh, liked him a lot. Liked his background with receivers and quarterbacks. Um, but you, you sometimes, I in John, this is what you're talking about, John. You like somebody who's a little bit older, who's been through it before, who's been through the stresses of of the so-called high-leverage situations. You'd like to have that. And you mentioned Jeff Stalin, obviously, has been through it all here. With Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, he's seen the highest of highs and lows of lows. Um, you like to see that. We'll see. I, I don't know that it's going to happen. I wouldn't put the odds of it happening that they're bringing somebody in. But Petullo's his guy. We uh, When we were breaking down this in February, we had heard that Petullo is very close to uh, the head coach. And he, he's a guy that they got to know each other with the Colts very closely. Uh, Jason Michaels, the guy that he knows from the Colts, obviously, and um, there's a relationship there. But the thing is, and this is what Jody was asking, there's a lot of unknown with this staff. Michael Clay was a surprise choice as, as coordinator. He's very young. In fact, I think his assistant, um, the, uh, Brown. yeah, Randy uh, Brown's son, Travis yeah. Brown, uh, Tyler Brown. Tyler, Tyler Brown's Tyler. a year older than him. He's actually 30, yeah. and Michael Clay is 29. And Michael Clay's a really sharp guy. John Gannon, now, now he's a up-and-coming guy, but this is the first time he's calling a defense. See, that's the thing the National Football League does. There's a saying that coaches use, you never know till you get there. And they're, they're, Now, you like that Jamal Singleton's been in the league, he's been with a lot of teams, you like that. Brian Johnson has been a quarterback's coach, he's been an OC, but at the college level. Uh, and Tracy Rocker's been a long time, I mean, a long time D-line coach mostly in college football. Denard Wilson's probably one of the better D-backs coaches that nobody knows about. Jets, I could tell you, did not want to lose him. Absolutely did not want to lose him. They were they thought they were actually going to keep him, I'm told. So the Eagles got maybe a steal there. But you make a fair point. They need to get a little bit more experience, but we'll see how it's handled. All right, Adam, I want to uh, spread the focus out a little bit. As you say, you cover all 32 teams in the National Football League. So I'm going to ask you about one in particular. That would be the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers prominently on display yesterday, playing a little yeah. golf. And as a matter of fact, thing worked out for him. Tom Brady loses at golf. He might not lose Super Bowls, but he loses at golf. He's gotten beat twice now. Peyton Manning got the better of uh, Mr. Yeah, Rodgers. I'll tell you what, though, real quick, Jody, he had a 390-yard drive, Tom Brady. 390. Wow. 390. Wow. Is that right? Like, yeah. It, yeah, I can't believe it. It was four feet from the hole, from the pin. It was unbelievable. Well, you know, what's yeah. funny about golf is if I hit if I had to drive two fifty, I'm actually going to have a parade. Yes, yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's funny because I, I was asked in an interview yesterday, "Who are you picking?" I said, "I got to be Brady." How do you bet against the goat, the best quarterback of all time? But I didn't. In fact, I'm so I, I'm glad you mentioned this. I didn't even know who won. So that, so they lost. Yeah. Huh? Brady's, yeah, Brady's they, 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 they did get beat. And oh, by the way, if I drive 250, I then put it in park and get out of the car. <laughs> exactly. uh, that's not even a conversation to be had. Right. Uh, but yeah. Rogers did win, and he was asked several times on the broadcast about what's going to happen. Couple of weeks, Packers first practice. And he sloughed it off with, well, we'll see. Well, we'll see. Well, and he did it several times because he can, because we do have a couple more weeks before practice, and he doesn't have to tip his hand if he doesn't want to. Uh, are you feeling any differently than you felt a week ago, a month ago, two months ago, Adam? Has there been any indications in your world as to how this is going to play out, Rogers? showing up and making nice with the Packers. Rodgers actually staying home and not playing football for how long it's going to be. Or the Packers 
nervously folding and saying, let's trade him, let's get him out of here. All right, Jody, let me sum this up by this way. I've known since probably uh, October or November last season how unhappy he was. I had an interesting little note about, I don't know, two months ago, right after the ESPN story broke, um, that Rodgers against one of their opponents last season, he went over to the defensive huddle. He didn't get in it, but he went over to the defensive huddle and said, get me out of here. Like, I don't know what – I mean, you could you could assume that it obviously means he's not happy. I don't know how you could feel like that and then be the MVP. This guy's – as Mark Murphy, the president of the Packers, said, um, I don't know, I guess he, he said it in an interview – He's a complicated fellow. Complicated. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this guy is different. Um, if you want to research his history with his family, it's very different without getting into to that situation. This guy's a complicated fellow. Now, has anything changed? No. If I'm going to take him at his word, now what his word is, what, what had been reported by ESPN that he still wants out, I believe that's true. Here's the way I see it resolved here. So they report on the 27th. If he is not reported by the second week of, of, of August. They know he's not showing up. He's willing to lose millions because the fines now are more, way more punitive than they were in the previous CBA. I would think they would – I think they'd start listening to trades. And, and if Denver's not first in line, if they haven't been – notice, by the way, there have been no reports about teams calling. It's been very surprising. Nothing's been yeah. leaked out. It's almost shocking to me. Um, but it, it's really one of the most complicated situations because – his issue is not with the coaching staff or a player. It's the general manager, who's really good. Brian Gunkus is really good, but the communication was terrible between the general manager and Rodgers in terms of that they were going to draft a quarterback. It wasn't who they were going to draft, but that they were going to draft a quarterback in the first round. And the ironic thing was, in 2005, the Packers did all they could to trade out. They couldn't, and they just went with the highest player on the board, who happened to be Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Yeah, with with Aaron uh, Adam, everybody brings up Denver first. If something happens, it's most likely going to be Denver. Washington football think. team would they be in that equation? You know, it's funny, John. Yeah. To, on Sirius XM, I was hosting on NFL Radio a couple weeks ago, and so a caller came in and mentioned two things. Well, actually, two calls. Washington was one, like you were saying. The other one, I think, is way more of a long shot. But someone brought up New Orleans, right? Now, they've always had a cap issue. Rodgers Rogers actually may get a new deal with his new team if he gets traded. But I like Washington. I thought that made a little bit more sense. Because past this season, they have no idea who their quarterback is. They could say all they want about Taylor Heineke competing for the starting job. He will not be. It's going to yeah. be Fitzpatrick. But they don't know who their starter is. Now, the other thing that, that I think we have to look at, extrapolating the situation, if in, if, in the end, the Packers decide, you know what, he's not showing up, we're going to move him, then you have to ask yourself this question if you're the new team receiving the player. You have to know how long he's going to play. You can't give up potential two first-round picks. I, I don't know if it would be three, but two first-round picks and not know the guy's going to be around for three years. And he has three years left on his deal. You, you can't go into it knowing he might only play one or two years. You just can't trade for him. All right, Adam, this is something you're going to have to cover, and you might not want to, but uh, there's no way around it. The amount of teams that have the amount of vaccinations to take the restrictions yeah. off their team. The number is 85%. Uh, I know a bunch of teams thought they'd be at 85% when camp opened. Uh, almost all of them were over 50, so they're at least treading in that direction. A couple of guys have been real honest executives and coaches who said, yes, if we're not at 85% and you're a guy 
who's competing for a job and you're right there on the verge of making the team, it could be hazardous to your NFL health. Not your own individual health, but your NFL health if you're not ready to uh, be able to uh, give us the freedom to do what we want to do in practices and the like. How big a story is this going to be? Because you have to be very careful the way you choose your words. You, me, and John can say whatever the hell we want because we have no influence on whether a player is or isn't going to make a team. But certainly the person making those decisions for those teams have to pick and choose their words carefully. How big a story is this going to be as camps open up? It's a story. It, it, I'm, I'm probably going to do like a 20-point a storyline situation. Uh, leading up to training camp, it's my top 10. I'll tell you why. Like, I'll give you an example. Cole Beasley, right? One of the top three or four slot receivers in the league. He's been very out front on it in social media, particularly on Twitter, about not wanting to get the, the COVID vaccine. That's his personal choice. You cannot pressure anyone to do this. And may, in a way, if you look at his, his Twitter byline, he's almost threatened to retire if he feels like he's being forced to do it. I don't want to put his words out there, but just go to his Twitter byline. You can see it. I'm just summarizing what he said. Right. He's a prominent player. This is, and, and I can tell you, talking to Bills, they think they're they're a Super Bowl type team. They they're going for it. That's why they signed Emmanuel Sanders. They have they have one of the top three rosters in the National Football League. They cannot get there without this player. This guy, he's a terrific football player. He's an actually a training camp storyline because what happens is through the the COVID protocols, Jody. The NFLPA and NFL have agreed on these protocols. These re, these re-up protocols here are so detrimental. If you're a player that's not going to take the shot, the COVID shot, can't. there's so little you can do around your teammates. They're making it so difficult. I mean, you don't want to say they're pressuring the players to do it, but they're strongly encouraging to do it. And right. That's the thing here. Adam, last one from me and everybody listen to the Inside the Birds podcast. Adam Kaplan, another friend of the show, Jeff Mosher. Uh, make sure you check out their new show dropping tomorrow at 6 a.m. Uh, Adam, the vaccination, you hear whispers. Obviously, everybody's on vacation, but you've seen some high-profile guys, m- most notably Bruce Arians, you know, who, who's got all this cachet. He's a two-time coach of the year, Super Bowl winner now, uh, uh, reigning Super Bowl champions. He comes down to, you want to get back to normal, take the vaccine. That's how he handled it. What is the difference between having a coach like that and having a rookie coach like we have here in Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni, who maybe has to be a little bit more political trying to get everybody up to speed? No doubt. There's no doubt about it. Bruce is a guy that is a no-nonsense guy. Um, he, 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 he doesn't hold anything back. I mean, I, I remember him at Temple as a young coach in his early to mid-30s. Um, he's very out there. I've, I've, I've been around Bruce privately. One of the things I respect about him is he doesn't hold anything back. Now, I know what both of you guys are alluding to with your points on this. No team will cut a starting player, okay? I know they're not supposed to anyway. You can't do that. But yeah. wink, wink, nod, nod. It comes down to the 53rd guy versus 52 or 53 versus 40, 40 and it's COVID versus non-COVID, I, I, I think that that could factor into it, whether they got the shot or not. Again, I don't want to put it, words in anyone's mouth, but, John, you've covered this league most longer than most people. You know how coaches handle situations. I don't want, I want to leave Bruce Arians out of this for a second. These things do matter, whether you believe it or not. And Jody wanted to take a deep, deep dive into this stuff. It absolutely will matter. Teams will poo-poo it, downplay it. 
But teams have done this forever, for decades, and then somehow, magically, some of these players that you thought might make it don't. But again, they're not cutting, starting, or key back players. Uh, we'll see what happens, and not everyone's going to do it. That's their own personal choice. Um, and I know there were some coaches that I was speaking to that had not gotten it as of um, the draft time, but I'm sure they'll do it by training camp because it's just so much harder. And the other thing for coaches is, it's even harder because you got to do Zoom, you got to do Microsoft Teams to have meetings. Yeah. If if you're not vaccinated, it's just it's a it's a pain in the butt. Elsewhere, it's going to be a huge story, but yeah. right before sure. and then once camp's open. All right, Adam, last one. And I know it's a guy that you have expressed opinions on for years because he deserves it. Bill Belichick. Yeah. He didn't make the playoffs last year. That Brady guy did okay in the playoffs, as in got to throw the Super Bowl trophy off a boat. I'd say he had a pretty good year. Um, Belichick, not so much. They've been very aggressive during this offseason, signing free agents, doing things differently than they've ever done before in New England. If it doesn't work and Belichick has another non-successful season, Bill's a team to beat in a division. I think both the Jets and the Dolphins will be better than they were last year. So the pressure's kind of on the Patriots this year. How's Belichick going to handle that? You know, it all comes to, well, first of all, with him, Matt, it's his decision. Let's go back to quarterback list with Cam Newton not to play Jared Stidham was the fourth rounder in 2019. Uh, he could have, once they were eliminated from the playoffs, the final two games, he decided to play Cam Newton. Newton should have been benched. He was terrible. After a really great start at Seattle, that was an incredible game. Uh, I think it was week one. Then it was steadily downhill. I think he wants to prove people right with Newton. But we know, listen, unless he plays above-average football, and as you said, they've had a, they spent a lot of money. They're paying more tight end money than any team has ever done in free agency. That's the tight end position. I've never seen anything like it. Two tight ends. We, we know they're going to be a 12-personal team. But they spent a first-round pick on Mac Jones. So he's a future quarterback. I think Bill. I think Bill. To answer your question, Jody, is the spotlight will be on him for all the decisions. It's all the free agent money. They went all in, and by the way, last year agents were telling me they weren't spending any money because they didn't have it. And they were not going to do restructures. They were just going to have a year where they weren't spending all any money in free agency, and they're putting it all till next year, which is this year. And they did that. And now look, going forward here, I mean, it's not like Belichick's job will ever be in jeopardy, but the criticism will just grow louder if Cam Newton doesn't play well and gets benched early. And some of these players, Nelson Aguilar, playing, paying him pretty good money. Uh, not, not surprising. He had a good year, despite the drops. He had actually a pretty good year. They spent a lot of money. I think criticism, to answer your question, Jordan, will grow louder. If, they, if they're not a playoff team, they should be. The Bills are better. But the Patriots now, with all that they spent, they have a very talented team. Some guys come back from um, the COVID opt-out. They're going to be a wild-card team. Unless their quarterback plays so, so bad, they're definitely going to be a wild-card team. It'd be very interesting to see because Bill Belichick doesn't handle critique and criticism real well, and he could be looking at some of it this year. Adam, we always appreciate it whenever you come on Inside the Birds podcast. New one dropping tomorrow, as he noted. We appreciate whenever you come on with us, buddy. You know we'll be calling it again to punch your smiling face up. You got it, guys. Thank you. Adam okay. Kaplan uh, here with us on Birds. 365. All right. Uh, we got a couple minutes left. Take a quickie timeout. Come back. John and I will rejoin you right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. 
and keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mac and Mac guys, coming back to put a uh, bow on the show. A good one at that. Uh, we thank Eddie Benkin and Adam Kaplan both for hopping on. Um, John, let's go full circle. I asked you to start the show about uh, the uh, HBO show, which the Eagles will not be part of, Hard, no- Hard Knocks, which the Cowboys will be the featured team this year. And uh, we kick back and forth. Is it a missed opportunity for the Eagles? Uh, we'll never know. Uh, we just know that Jerry Jones has got the spotlight. He loves the spotlight. He lives in the spotlight. And I would have liked to see the Eagles do it. Here's the good news, Eagle fans, if you're with uh, Mac and I, that the Eagles miss out on something here. John McMullen, do you believe the Eagles will make the playoffs this year? I do not. I do not think they will be a playoff team. 
nor do I. You and I had the uh, the fun of going down the win-loss, win-loss, win-loss when the schedule came out. And both of us went a little on the optimistic side. I'll certainly say I was optimistic. I'm pretty sure you have as well, that the Eagles can win eight games this year. And remember, eight games in the new 17-game season, it is the National Football League, is actually a losing record. And yes, the winner of the NFC least last year did make the playoffs with a losing record. So it's not completely dismissive if they're eight and nine, but you and I kind of agree they're not going to make the playoffs this year. And if that's the case, they don't make the playoffs. They won't have a new coaching staff. They've never been on HBO uh, hard knock, so they can't use the, hey, we've done it in the last 10 years, get out of jail free card. Oh, they will be one of those teams, John. There were five this year. Yeah, Cowboys, yeah. one of them. And they said, Jerry Jer said, yeah, we'll do it. You can bring those cameras back down south again. Uh, yeah. And that's why the Cowboys are going to be hosting it. The Eagles won't have that get-out-of-jail-free card next year, John. If Birds 365 is still around, we need to start lobbying for this in, like, March. Before we ever get to July and the decision is made, we need to start uh, to lobby for hard knocks. Philadelphia Eagles style. Well, they'll they'll be forced to do it if they do it. And knowing the Eagles, they'll say, "Well, we did all or nothing for Amazon, so let us out of it." They they will they will hope the show is canceled. Number one, and oh, number two, that's no, just wrong. Number I two, I love my hard knocks. Number two, they will say we did all or nothing a couple years ago. Do it, give it to the other team. They don't want any part of this, Jody. They don't want any part of it. And I agree with you. I think, especially this year, more than even next year. Because, again, we talk about it all the time, the national perspective on the show, and we have so many people on the show, and you see it live. The national perspective on this organization and this team is that the coach is not ready, the quarterback is not any good, the organization is in dysfunction. How do you change that narrative quickly? How do you change that narrative? Put it on TV. Show go. Nick Sirianni isn't isn't incompetent. And by the way, he's not. Show Jalen Hurts isn't uh, a terrible player. He's not. In fact, he's he's very impressive. People will be impressed by him if they see him on 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 television week to week. I I just think it makes so much sense this year. Next year, that'll all be gone because people will realize Nick Sirianni's not incompetent. Whether Jalen Hurts is the quarterback or not, they'll realize he's not an embarrassment, as some have projected him to be. Uh, this was the time, frozen in time, and it's gone. But they never considered it an opportunity. They would never step out of line and say, let us do it. Just wouldn't do it. Well, despite the fact that everything you just said was probably 100% accurate, I don't care. I'm starting <laughs> to lobbying now for next year's hard knocks. Philadelphia Eagles, get in line, Jeff Laurie. You need to uh, get out there and promote your team. All right. That's what we do here every day. So we try and lend a helping hand on Birds 365, but we could use a little help from the guys at Hard Knocks. Uh, despite uh, not getting any help, we'll do this again tomorrow. Jay Mackey, any plans today? The, the wife got stuff for you to do. 
You and a dog going for a long walk. What do you got? Uh, well, we always got the that. dog walks. You always got, uh, I got preview stuff, Jody. That It is okay. right around the corner. And I, as I say, now I'm going to start this every day. Eagles, give me a training camp schedule. I beg of you, please give me a training camp schedule. <laughs> we'll see if we can make John's life uh, more easy. I, I'll try and do that tomorrow when I team up with him right here again on Birds 365. Thanks, everybody. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.